Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 440 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is the Defining Diabetes with Jenny Smith. This episode of Defining Diabetes is the 30th installment of the series. It goes all the way back to episode 236, Defining Diabetes Bolus. And it leads right up to today, episode 440, Defining Diabetes, Stacking Insulin. The Defining Diabetes series, which exists here inside of the Juice Box podcast, is me and my friend Jenny Smith. Jenny's had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. She's a certified diabetes educator and an all-around delightful person. Anyway, Jenny and I define the terms that you use in a life with diabetes. And we don't do it in some boring way, like we're not reading to you out of it. It's not like, oh, basal insulin is defined as. We don't do it like that. We have a nice, interesting, reasonably length conversation that will leave you with a full and firm grasp of the definition of the day. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. At the end of this episode, I'll leave you contact information for Jenny in case you want to reach out to her where she works at integrateddiabetes.com. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver to someone with type 1, please consider checking out the T1D Exchange. Your participation in the T1D Exchange will take just a few moments, but the impact of your kindness will last forever. T1D Exchange is looking for you, type 1 adults and caregivers who are U.S. residents, to participate in a quick survey that can be completed in just a few minutes from your phone or computer. And after you've finished, and trust me, these are simple questions. I did the whole thing in about seven minutes, maybe. You'll be contacted annually to update your information, and they may ask you further questions. This is 100% anonymous, completely HIPAA compliant, and it does not require you to ever see a doctor or go to a remote site, and you can opt out whenever you want. The T1D Exchange began as a nonprofit organization focused on accelerating therapies and improving care for type 1 individuals. That mission emerged from a heartfelt desire to support a community in need, and the belief that the best way to do that was through a firm foundation of research and cross-clinical collaborations. From that foundation, the T1D Exchange has become a robust type 1 diabetes data platform, and it uses that platform to drive meaningful research and innovation in treatment, prevention, and hopefully one day a cure. So check them out, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. So the idea of stacking insulin, I want to describe what it, what it, I want to describe what it is, and I want to talk about why doctors are so fervent about bringing up don't stack your insulin. And then I want to talk about using insulin in more targeted ways that I think mimics stacking to people who don't understand. Does that make sure. sense? Okay. Yeah. So so what is is stacking insulin something? Absolutely. Okay. 100% that's yeah. the correct term and I think it's one that crosses all everybody with diabetes for the most part with using insulin I think they've heard at least the term stacking. Mm-hmm. And I have not seen an endo that doesn't know what that term means. So it's an across the board understood 
I hope, okay. um, term. And so, and so at some point or another, a doctor is always going to tell you, and I think very rightfully so, and I, I have to say I'm not against it, you, but they just say it like this, you can't stack your insulin. Like you can't right, right. because because if you do, you're going to get super low later and it's going to be bad. And I don't that. Listen, I purposefully stacked some insulin up on Arden last week and I knew she was going to get low later and she did. But we just got into one of those weird situations where food was piled on top of a site that was bad. Like so we were right at the end of a site and everybody who uses a pump might know this, but you're like into that last like 30 units that's in the pump and you're like, this thing is working great. These blood sugars are terrific. I can get through one more meal with this thing. And then it just doesn't work out for some reason. And you're like, oh, so now you have this incredibly sticky blood sugar. It's higher. There's food in. You're going up. You've just changed the site. So now, you know, there's a lag there and basil and everything. And you just start like. You know, if you make a small bolus, it just sits wherever it is. 250 is still 250. And you, and I don't want to do the like little bolus, little bolus, little. Bol- I don't stack like that. Like I'm just like hit it hard. If nothing happens, hit it hard again and we'll catch it if we have to. Um, but if you're not wearing a glucose monitor or you're not aware that that's going to happen, something bad's Correct. coming on the other side. And I think you described kind of a good point, too, is that if you hit hard with some corrective right now, you should see a faster turnaround because you now have a larger amount of insulin to actually hit the issue, Mm -hmm. right? And then you're not saying, okay, I'm going to take four units right now. And then 20 minutes, if it's not moving, I'm going to take another four units. That's not what you're advocating at all. all. It's though hit harder up front, see if it's making impact, which that bigger amount should. And then you have less weight, Unfortunately, when you do these little micro pulse boluses, and for some, again, another piece to consider is sensitivity. I mean, three units for an adult who needs three units to correct a high blood sugar or a really resistant teen who might need that, a little kid, I mean, that might be their whole dose in a whole day, right? right? So you have to consider the person and, and sensitivity. But these little trickle boluses over like a three hour time period where you're hanging out high and you keep adding, adding and adding. And some people get very aggressive with the adding in terms of how many, but the doses aren't very big. So they might do 0.1, (laughs) 0.1, and And you did them every 15 minutes. And you you know, you can see everything in a download, obviously, Mm -hmm. but you're like, you're not going to see any change from point one in 15 minutes. Right, right. You're just so, but it leads to the stacking component because the more you do these little incremental doses, mm-hmm. now you have each of those little pulses of extra has its own timeline of finish into the future. Yeah, and peaks. And that's important to understand. Right. So if 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 insulin has uh, an initial impact, a peak, and a tail, and you go making eight boluses over two hours there are all of these peaks impacts and tails happening all over you and then once whatever's holding your blood sugar up there abates all these different things now it's like you're being shot from 75 different angles all of a sudden and you can't get away and blood sugar just starts falling and then you get into that situation where how much is going to stop this right how much carb do i need to intake now because how much is left i mean and with a pump your pump has IOB visual mm-hmm. for you, but the stacking component makes it harder 
that IOB and the end effect of when is it really going to finish off and how much do I need to take in to counter it? Is it a lot more? Is it a little bit? It, it kind of is a throw your hands up in the air and just, right. Yes. Which we don't really want to be doing. And and so you don't want to stack and it's a, it's just a bad idea if you're blind and you don't know what you're doing. And I want to say too, there's other worlds where you end up stacking and you don't mean it in a dehydrated body where you think, oh, the insulin's not working, and so your stack, you know, it's point, you know, like you said, sensitivity. It could be 0.1 for one person. It could be three units for another person. There could be a 250-pound adult doing three unit boluses every half an hour trying to change something. Right. And if it's dehydrated, I don't understand, obviously, the, the physiology of it, but that insulin's in there. It's incapable of moving around, but it's still there. And then all of a sudden, you get hydrated, and it all just comes at once, um, that I've seen happen too. Uh, and that's, that can be frightening as well. And then you, again, mm-hmm. you get in that same position and people have a difficult time seeing my blood sugars, 250. I've now put in, you know, four boluses over the next, over the last 90 minutes or so. And now my blood sugar is dropping like a stone. Is it safe to count up those boluses and figure out how many carbs to put in for that? That's basically what I would do. Minus maybe right. a little bit for the number, you, right. you know, so if I thought in a normal situation it was going to take a unit to go from 250 to 90 and I ended up using four units and it started falling, I'd probably put carbs in for three of the units. Right. And leave the last unit to to do it. Yeah, job. we usually say about 50 to maybe 70 ish percent, percent of is for coverage. OK. Yes. All right. I think another one in terms of stacking comes in for like sites that have been bad. And you finally get it. You're like, okay, I obviously need to change this site. Well, sometimes that site, like you just said, it might have that depot of insulin still under the skin that didn't necessarily get absorbed the way you wanted. Thus, you've got a high blood sugar right now. But for some, when you remove that bad site, sometimes that depot of insulin leaks out. You can actually see it like physically coming out of the site when you take it out. And that you're like, okay, well, I clearly didn't get any of that last bolus. So I can definitely heavily correct this high blood sugar right now Mm -hmm. because I obviously didn't get any. Well, if it's not leaking at the site, you likely still have some of that insulin under the skin. And sometimes moving the site or removing that cannula can for some get that kind of absorbing under the skin. And so now you've got this big amount that you've been adding for a higher climbing blood sugar. And now you've injected some, or you've added a whole big bolus with your new pump site. So now you might have this like whop and drop later <laughs> because you don't really know how much is there circulating. And that story makes me realize that stacking is a lot more scary in the beginning before you have much time. Cause I remember that same thing, like, you know, when Arden was super small, we were using syringes and I'm like eyeballing up a, you know, a quarter of a unit and, <laughs> and you put it in and you push it and you take it out and then you see a bubble, a big, a big drop of insulin comes back out of the injection hole and you're like, like ah, and then you're, then it used to freeze me. I was like, I now know, I have no idea what to do now. Um, right. And it takes time for you to realize like, okay, a little, and I mean, how often does insulin leak out? But when it happens or have you ever freaked out? <laughs> I'm sure you haven't done this, but sometimes you have a, uh, sometimes I see people like they'll push the, they get, they're pushing the plunger before the, before they're actually in, like, so they're right. leaking out of the thing. Um, so there's different ways and you're like, oh, well, how much did I lose? What do I do now? Um, it, it all can be confusing and, and it, 
it gives you this sort of paralysis where you're like, yeah. oh, I can't move. Um, it's actually kind of one of the, I mean, it's kind of with topic, but sort of off topic is I never used insulin pens. I never yeah, we, wanted to. Yeah, we've never had I one either. don't, and I don't like them. I don't, I mean, and they work really well for many people. So it's, this is not a don't use them. Mm. But my experience was always that I always had this background, like, did I get everything? Cause I'd see even holding it in under the skin for 10 second count after you fully inject it all, blah, blah, blah. When I had tried one, when they first came out on the market, I'd pull it out and I'd still have this like drop hanging from the tip of the pen. I'm like, well, how much insulin did I just miss? You know, what, what was the purpose of this? If now I might be a half a unit short or a whole unit short. So, I mean, I think I used it for a couple of weeks and I was like, nope. So sorry, doctor. I like my vials and my insulin syringes back, please. Okay. So now the other side of it, and I, I've, I've received a number of um, messages about this over the years, but one that just sticks in my head is from a guy who said, um, when you said it's not stacking, if you needed it, it changed my life. And so I, I say it's not stacking if you need it. But right. what I kind of mean by that is, like, first of all, you have to be like things have to be dialed in, like your basal has to be right. Your insulin to carb ratio has to be a known quantity. You have to be, you know, good at giving yourself insulin. Right. But once you do that, if you pre bolus for a meal and you it's 40 carbs and you finish it and then 25 minutes later, you reach across the table and grab a roll out of the basket while you're talking well, bolus for that roll like but. But there are plenty of people who would th- would then think, no, that's stacking insulin. Yeah, and that's entirely not stacking insulin. Right, right. If you need it, it's not stacking. It's bolusing. <laughs> it, it's, right. you know, and so there's um there's just something you have to wrap your head around there. Um, and it seems like it's simple, but in the moment, it's not. Because, because you could see, you could bolus for your meal, right? And 45 minutes later, your blood sugar might be 75. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to have another roll. It's hard for people to then go, I have to bolus for this roll because my blood sugar is 75. Maybe it'll be okay. And that's where you have to trust that what you know is going to happen is going to happen, which is that roll is going to go in and it's going to have its own timeline, its own life. And Mm -hmm. so will the insulin that you put in with it. And I think that's an important point, obviously, is that if the insulin is needed, you also should be knowledgeable enough to understand why it's needed. And along with that comes things like sensitivity. You know your sensitivity. You know that you're not just blindly taking four units right now, that this much typically brings you down by this much. And if you do take extra insulin, you should see this type of a change. If you're not seeing it, you know, taking some more. But again, not these little like pulse, 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 pulse kinds of things. I think in the end, I... I would want people to understand that the difference between just wildly throwing insulin at something, hoping and purposefully using it in ways that, you know, are needed. Those are two different ideas, but they both to to an untrained eye or to somebody who's just trying to keep you from making a mistake, which is it's it's a laudable thing. But, But those two things can look the same and they're not those two things are nothing to do with each other. Right. So they're both stacking. Right. But one is a, I'm stacking insulin, but I know how it should impact me. The other one is, I think 
sort of along the same lines as like rage bolusing. Mm-hmm. It's like, God oh, darn it. I, I, I just going to take How this amount of insulin and pop it in and yeah. hope for the best. Yeah, let's right? see what happens here. Well, it, it's, um, I, I think I see people, it happens to people too, with new infusion sets with pumps too, because they put their pump on and they don't get, you just don't get the right reaction right away when a pump's first on. Um, and then the creeping blood sugar and then the bolus that doesn't work. And now it all feels slippery slopey, but I don't know. I mean, when, when we change Arden's pump, I just put in insulin right away. I just bolus something depending on her situation, anywhere from, um, uh, I usually do anywhere from an hour's worth of basil to, you know, a correction with that. Like, I just like to get something moving. And I, I, I usually say that same thing for a new site kind of um, know what your basil is at that time of the day. You know, if it's at 0. 0.6 at eight o'clock in the morning, it's, but it's 1.2 at, you know, right. eight o'clock at night, clearly you're going to bolus a little bit different. Ours is always bolus about an hour's worth of basil yeah. with the new site change. Yeah. I mean, I say it all the time. I just like to have a little insulin on my side when I know something's coming. Like, um, right. And we'll get, we'll move on to another topic in a second, but Arden's, um, you know, we've been messing with different, birth control packs trying to find her right dose the first mm-hmm. two months i'm gonna have to do a whole episode about the first two months was hellish and then this third month um this pack seems to be right for her and and it's it's going better but aside from her blood sugars being incredibly difficult to get on top of her appetite was bizarre it like at times it was like she was pregnant like you know she's like you know can i get grapes and rice and like you're like wait what you know she's mixing these weird things and there were times where she'd say i'm hungry but i don't want to eat mm. but i know i'm going to eat and in that in that situation i'm like well just pre bowl is 15 carbs then yeah and i don't know like i got to get something moving here i can't just have her cuz once she says oh i know what i want I don't want to it's slow that late. well, and I don't want to slow the process down because it took her 20 minutes to figure out what she wanted. Like if I say, okay, let's just pre-bowl, she'll go, forget it. And that and that'll be the end of it, you know? Right. So right. I just like having some insulin on my side. Well, and that's kind of a good strategy. And I also use that a lot for kids and teens, especially for like their lunches at school, that they often don't know what they're going to choose mm-hmm. and they get there and then there has been no pre-bolus time. And the worry is that always comes up is well, if they pre-bolus and then they don't end up eating that amount, I'm like, just pre-bolus for the minimum that you know your kid's going to eat. Yeah. 10 grams, 15 grams, 20. I mean, if your kid constantly eats 100 grams at lunch, a 15 gram bolus, I guarantee is just a juice box yeah. in case they decide not to eat yeah, it. You're going to be okay. That's exactly how I talk about pre-bolusing little kids. Just get some on your side and there's an amount that you know you know they're going to eat. There's an amount that you know every kid's going to eat. Okay. Right. My friend Jennifer Smith has been living with type 1 diabetes for well over 30 years. She has firsthand knowledge of the day-to-day events that affect diabetes and its management. And as you've heard time and again on this show, she really is a wealth of knowledge about type 1. Jenny holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. She's also the person you hear with me on the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes and in all of the Defining Diabetes episodes. Jenny is just absolutely terrific. And if you'd like to meet up with her in a professional way, Jenny does coaching, you can find her at integrateddiabetes.com. Don't forget to add your name to the T1D Exchange at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. 
Every time you complete their survey, it benefits everyone living with type 1 diabetes and it helps out the show. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. And I'd like to also thank Dexcom, Omnipod, Givoke Hypopen, Touched by Type 1, and the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter for being longtime advertisers on the Juicebox podcast. You can check out everyone that supports this show with their ads at juiceboxpodcast.com or right there in the show notes of your podcast player. And when you support the sponsors, you're supporting the podcast and helping to keep it free. If you're interested in hearing more of the Defining Diabetes episodes and can't find them in your podcast player, you can go to diabetesprotip.com and scroll to the bottom where you'll find all the Defining Diabetes episodes. You'll also find all of the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes in that same place, diabetesprotip.com. And for all of your other Juicebox podcast needs, juiceboxpodcast.com. And of course, you can find us on Instagram at juiceboxpodcast, on Facebook at Bold with Insulin or in that private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes.